Peace and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am your host, Nick Milkey, and it's the new year. We're here to celebrate. We're here to have a good time. We're here to hang out. And most importantly, we're here to do some canon studies about The Return of the Jedi, which is a favorite movie of mine in the Star Wars canon. All the films are favorites. They just have different moments depending on when I see them, when they hit me, what I've got going on. But we're about to dig into Return of the Jedi over the next six weeks. We've got lots of amazing guests coming up, and I'm excited to have you here joining me. I've already seen some of our friends in the chat. I see Michael. I see JD. I see Pete. I see Rez. I see Jeff. I see uh, some of my kids are hanging out watching. So thank you all for being with me on a Sunday afternoon. Thank you for helping with the time change. We're on a little bit earlier than normal, but that's because we have an amazing guest who lives across the pond and we did not want him to have to do this show at two o'clock in the morning. So instead, he's coming to us at the much more comforting time of about nine o'clock in the evening. So we'll get to our guest in a few minutes. Before we do that, I do have a couple of quick housekeeping items one or two little pieces of important business, things that you might need to know. And the first one, this is a big one. Um, I, I do want to say, shout out, Michael said, I love the new intro. I want to sh- throw a shout out to my friend Pete for creating that intro for us. He did such a great job. Some of these new logos, you can see things look a little bit different. Um, as Spider-Man says in Infinity War, Mr. Stark, it smells like a new car in here. Um Things are looking a little bit different. Just wanted to refresh for the new year. But speaking of the new year and speaking of new things, there is a new partnership happening. And you may have seen it teased on Twitter a little bit ago um, earlier this weekend. Pete from Around the Galaxy and I are teaming up. And we're going to partner up to share a feed, to share a Patreon, to share some shows along the way. Because we really seem to have a lot of similar interests, a lot of similar shows, a lot of things that we do. And we really just wanted to team up and kind of utilize our audiences to get the word out about all the different shows that we do. So starting in a couple weeks, you're going to find Podcast of the Wheels just a little bit different place. Um, Nothing crazy. We're going to help you get there. It's not going to be hard. Uh, This week and next week, everything's going to be the same. You'll still catch us on Sundays. You'll still catch this dropping in the Podcast of the Wheels feed. Um, but on January the 16th, I believe it is, um, with that Sunday show, a couple of small changes, you'll start finding the podcast of the wills audio. Actually this week and next week, you'll find them in the podcast of the wills feed. You'll also find it in the ATG cast feed. Um, but then going forward every other Tuesday, you will get either around the galaxy or podcast of the wills, depending on the week. Um, you're still going to be able to get Disturbances in the Force, which is the Saturday five-minute news roundup that Pete has been doing over the last five or six months. It's really fantastic. No spin, just the news from around the Star Wars galaxy. It's a really great way for you to get caught up on the things that are going on. And then, also super exciting, starting this Friday, January the 7th, is the return of streaming Star Wars. 
And if you remember streaming Star Wars from a year or so ago, this was a show that is going to cover all of the different streaming Disney Plus Star Wars offerings. So obviously right now we have Book of Boba Fett going on. So every Friday night, Pete and I will get together. We'll talk about that week's episode of Boba Fett. And as we go forward with Obi-Wan, as we go forward with Andor, Bad Batch, whatever the, the glories of Star Wars bounty that Disney is sending, sending our way, we will be talking about. So all of these things will be found under the ATG cast podcast feed. As far as the live videos of the show that we normally do on Sunday night, in a couple of weeks, we're going to move those over to the ATG cast Patreon. So this week and next week, everything is going to be business as usual. The good news is a lot of you who already listen to the show, watch us on Sunday nights, are already around the Galaxy Patreon. So nothing is going to change for you. You're going to get the link for us on Sunday night. If you're not a member of the Around the Galaxy Patreon, I definitely encourage you to check that out um, for as little as, I think, $3 a month. That will allow you to always tune in when I record live, when Pete records live, and catch those live shows live while we're recording them with our guests you get a chance to be a part of the conversation there'll be other benefits like swag a few times a year meetups you know maybe a cocktail hour here and there over zoom lots of ways to stay engaged with the fans and the audio versions of all of our shows will always be free in the podcast feeds but this just creates a way for us to add a little extra to it so Podcast of the Wills, Around the Galaxy, Streaming Star Wars, Disturbances in the Force, all coming under the ATG cast umbrella, partnering, sharing resources, and hopefully, honestly, just doing things even better in 2022 with all of our shows, all of our products. We want to continue to put out quality stuff that you enjoy, and we want to get your feedback on that. So check it out. If you have questions, DM me, message Pete. We'll be glad to help you sort through it, figure it all out. Um, but we're going to keep it pretty simple. So the next couple of weeks, you'll still be able to find us in our normal places. And then after that, if you can't find us, throw me a message and we'll make sure that we connect up because we don't want to lose anybody. Um, so that's super exciting. I'm thankful to Pete for the conversations that he and I have been having over the last several weeks as we've put this together. And we're excited to see where we go in 2022. There's so much exciting Star Wars coming our way um, and we want you to be a part of it. And so Thanks for checking that out and hopefully sticking with us and doing all of those things. The other piece of housekeeping, I do this every week. We have t-shirts. If you go to willspod.com, which is the podcast of the Wills website, it'll take you to a link to our T public store. Oh, I hit the button. I made it go away. Um, we have the dad batch t-shirt. We have the new podcast of the Wills logo t-shirt that you can get. We have the spark of positivity shirt, the book of Boba Fett podcast of the Wills logo, the regular podcast of the Wills logo. And then we have the Heroes of the Mom CU shirt. And if you're new around here, Heroes of the Mom CU is the podcast that I do with my wife and my four daughters, where we are making my wife watch all of the Marvel movies in chronological order and getting her feedback because she knows nothing about Marvel. She thinks that He-Man and Mighty Mouse are a part of the MCU. Um, so it has been a lot of fun. They're usually short little episodes where we, preview the movie, see what she thinks it's going to be about, watch it, come back, talk about it. And we've done 10 or 11 episodes at this point. Next up will be Spider-Man Homecoming, hopefully sometime soon. And it's a lot of fun. So if you listen to that or want a t-shirt for that, that is available as well. So enough of that nonsense, enough of me running my mouth, enough of me making announcements and important things. Um, I am excited to welcome our guest tonight who is a huge presence in the Star Wars world. You have seen him write for StarWars.com, Star Wars Insider. He's the editor-in-chief of Fantatracks. 
He's hosted stuff at Celebration. He is always turning up. And he's such a great light in the Star Wars fandom and in the podcast community, especially that he does cool things like put out messages that says, hey, I want to be on your podcast. If I haven't been on yet or even if I have, send me a message. So that's how I reeled him in. I said, hey, let's do this. The beginning of the year. Let's put it on. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome to the show my friend, Mr. Mark Newbold. Evening. Well, evening for me. <laughs> it, well, it's getting closer to evening for me, too. We'll take it. We'll allow it. How are you, sir? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you for inviting me on. Yes, I'm a, I'm a total... Um, I'm, I'm terrible at just asking to go on people's podcasts. I just invite <laughs> myself in, put the kettle on. So, yeah, that's me. It's a great way to go, and it's a great way to get plugged in and involved. And so I may have to start utilizing that move myself and just start telling people, hey, put me on your show. See what yeah. happens. <laughs> um, well, as we said, you are in jolly old England. You're across the, the yeah. pond from us over here. So it's nine o'clock at night. So I'm especially thankful that you're willing to kind of wrap up your day and hang out and talk with us a little bit. My pleasure. Looking Absolutely. forward to it. Absolutely. Well, let's start here. Tell us just a little bit about Mark. Give us some general information, some intro to who Mark is and Mark in Star Wars. Oh, wow. Uh, where do I start? So, obviously, being in the UK, we got Star Wars a little bit later than you guys. We got it at the end of 77. Rolls out to the rest of the country in 78. So, I sort of hop on the Star Wars train in about March of 78. So, my first... Um, experience with star wars i guess would be the weekly comic so i got issue six of the weekly comic my aunt got for me and then pretty quickly star wars takes over the whole world including the uk uh which obviously i'm spiritually close to because it's where the films were made mostly and we had a great experience because we only had two years between star wars and empire if you think about it so empire sure. comes to us really quickly and by empire right. everyone's really nuts and crazy into it but so we get to jedi which of course we're going to talk about star wars is literally taken over the whole planet and social uh, there's no social media but but socially it's a massive thing everybody knows what star wars is darth vader is a household name and i'm one of those kids that didn't walk up or not walk away didn't leave star wars it always stayed with me even when you know you get interested in girls and then you start to drive and then you go to work and all the other things Star Wars stayed in the background because you know, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, being a sort of a, what you would call like a geek kid, like now it's the complete norm, then not so much. So I was known as this, you know, the Star Wars kid or the sci-fi kid or whatever it might be. Uh, nobody bats an eyelid now, but back then it was a bit different. So, yeah, I've just always been in and around it, wrote fanfic. Wow. 40 years in May since I wrote my first fanfic. That's scary. Um, got online as soon as I could, sort of mid 90s and started doing sort of Star Trek sites and sci-fi sites and then a Star Wars site. And it just developed i did a site called lightsaber for 10 years uh then i joined jedi news for about seven years and then five years ago just uh, just under five years ago uh struck out and did phantom tracks so it's been yeah it's a lot of star wars oh i can't hear you there it helps if i unmute myself um <laughs> i was i was gonna say it, you're one of those people, and I'm always excited when I have somebody like this on my show who has in their CV that little thing, which is a bio on StarWars.com. Like, that <laughs> feels like you've made it. That feels like you've gotten somewhere, and you've built on that. Because like I said, we've said, you've written for Insider, you've written for StarWars.com, Fanthatrax, which is something that you started and have you know continued to shepherd along the way. And that's grown as the medium has. 
yeah. into even podcasting. You have, you do a podcast and, you know, of course you're on so many podcasts. Tell us about that transition because like you, I grew up with star Wars. Um, I may be just a little bit younger than you, but like I saw, you know, Jedi in the theater and then, you know, grew up through the nineties and had all the EU and kind of the same thing, you know, to be the kind of star Wars fan that I was, was not a really out and popular thing in the early nineties. But as we've grown along and where we are now, you know, fandoms and these kinds of things are completely different. So talk about that, but also in relation to the changing medium going from fanfic writing to websites to now doing podcasting and what that experience has been for you. It's been very interesting, actually. I mean, like you say, it, it's, it did start off with the fanfic just as kids. Just, you know, I'd got an issue of, oh, wow, would have been Empire Monthly, I guess, that we had here in the UK. It's different to your Empire Monthly because um, we it was broken down like a weekly with different backup strips and such uh, and just decided read an issue sort of the hello best been goodbye sort of era the mid empire to jedi run mm-hmm. and just decided to write my own sequel to an issue fully knowing that there would be the next story next month but i just wanted to see what i could do uh, and sort of wrote my own version of that and just kept writing kept writing kept writing but i think the real big change and it's weird because people talk about a sort of 87 to 91 as the dark times I was as busy as I've ever been during that time because sure. we were West End Games role play three nights a week. So mm-hmm. and making up our own stuff. We never never used any of the uh, adventure ga- kits. We made up our own stuff. So right. that continued beyond into fanfic. And so the first site, uh, Wire Zone, which was my first Star Wars site that became Lightsaber, that was just it was all fanfic. It was basically our own sector guide turned into a website. But yeah, you know, we got to a certain point in the mid two thousands, two thousand five, and we were putting a little bit more news on the site and the fanfic was taking a bit of a backseat. We started a podcast then um, called Setting in Radio, which was based on our area of space that we were writing our stories in. And that just became its own little thing. We would talk about Star Wars and Trek and you know the latest DC and Marvel comics and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it just sort of moved on from there. And the Insider came in in 2006. I got lucky enough to interview the, the editor at the time, Frank Parisi, and just sort of said, how do I... What do we do to get something in the insider? To get one thing in the insider would be the dream, just to say I'd done it. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> Sixteen years ago, whatever it was, um, and uh, yeah, it just sort of went from there. I got I got lucky again with Stars.com. I did a piece about um, uh, Star Wars in concert. It used to be called Star Wars in Musical Journey. Covered right. the, the premiere of that at the O2, and that got put on Stars.com. And my proudest thing of that was they used one of my photographs, and I am an appalling photographer, so I'm more proud <laughs> of that than the article. Uh, and yeah, and it just they start, they wanted to push on with the blogs back, you know, from the mid 2000 blogs that we all used to be a part of. I wanted to push on to what kind of what we've got today. It's just been I mean, I'd like to think I'm halfway decent at what I do, but I think there's been a lot of good luck and good fortune. And I've spoke to the right people and it's it's sort of bimbled along quite nicely. And then in the background, I've always done websites. So every day there's something from me on Fanta Tracks or there's something from me, sure. you know here or somewhere else or speaking to pete or whatever it might be you know i'm always doing something that's right well that that's a good way to be because especially now and as we've said with you know pretty much every show that either i do or somebody else does we're kind of in a golden era of star wars right now with all the things that we've gotten up to this point but everything we know that's ahead of us and that's so exciting especially for content creators um for people like me and you that's more to talk about i i joke all the time that with this podcast, when we first started and we first started with our original Canon study, when we finished those six episodes, there was a moment of like, what are we going to do now? And we did 
you know, a couple of movie things. I think Last Jedi had come out. But then when Mando dropped that first season, that was eight weeks of guaranteed content because every week we were talking about that episode. So when that first that series stopped, I thought, well, now what? And there's no now what at this point. Like we know we've got so many things, even just this year, but then all the things that are coming beyond that. So, you know, it has to be a good feeling for you and certainly all the different places that, you know, the different irons you have in the fire to know there's plenty more Star Wars to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and the thing with this is with the podcast, for example, the the, the focus is Fanta Tracks. That's the hub. We've got mm-hmm. busy social media. We've got uh, a Sunday night uh, sort of magazine show, if you like, called Good Morning Tatooine. It's, it's on most Sunday nights that's live like this. Sure. At the same time, nine o'clock UK, so <laughs> we would clash. Um, and that's good fun, you know. And and but the podcasts are great fun. I've been doing making tracks now for wow twenty early twenty eighteen. I think I launched that because I did Radio One One Three Eight which okay. was at Jedi News before that and part of Shot Glass, which was Rebel Force Radio's thing. And, you know, so I've been doing stuff before that anyway. Um, so to me, it feels like a continuation of that, but it's not. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just good fun. And, and the, the podcast kind of fits nicely with the website because if we do a review mm-hmm. of something like Stranger in a Strange Land, for example, for example, yeah. the episode that we've got coming out on Tuesday will go into the review and it all sort of fits in with each other. So, yeah, lots going on. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to start to pivot a little bit, but I still want to ask you a couple of questions as we head towards our discussion about Return of the Jedi. Tell me about your first time seeing Jedi. Do you remember where you saw it? What happened? Anything about that moment? And then maybe follow that up with, which I think I kind of teased in the intro, your first published thing was also related to Return of the Jedi. So tell us about your <laughs> Return of the Jedi origin since we're going to be heading in that direction. Yeah, um, I have a very shady um, history with Return of the Jedi. Shady in the sense that I had a friend who's still a friend years and years later um, whose dad worked in the Middle East and would get pirate videos of stuff. So mm-hmm. we saw the Blues Brothers and E.T. and all that sort of early <laughs> 80s classic, classic stuff way before we should have seen most of it. Uh, and he sent over a copy of Return of the Jedi to us. Bearing in mind, the UK got Jedi a little bit later than you guys in the States got sure. it. So the first time I saw Jedi was a really, really rough copy, like <laughs> heads at the bottom of the screen, sort of nice. you know, the old tracking would go and real rough copy of Jedi, which which gave me a sense and enough. I'd read the novel already, the James Carl novel. I'd read the novel because mm-hmm. back then the books came out before the films. So I'd right. read the novel and, you know, and I, I kind of knew enough. Um, but seeing it at the cinema, it was the same cinema I actually saw the original Star Wars. It was the ABC in Cannock, which is where about three miles from where I live now. Um, proper old school British cinema, you know, velvet okay. floors, velvet walls, mm-hmm. proper old flea pit. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, and of course, everyone's talking about it at school. As I said earlier, biggest thing. I mean, it, it never surpassed ET at the box office, but I think culturally it just got a hold of, of the zeitgeist so quickly. Uh, and still does really think about it. Jedi is one of the most recognizable of all, all the Star Wars movies visually. Sure. There's so many visual things in it that people mm-hmm. identify with. Um, and yeah, you, you refer to the published thing. It, it was, this was a big moment for me. Uh, all of, not all of us, but most of my crowd would collect Star Wars Weekly and Empire Weekly and then monthlies. And it became Return of the Jedi Weekly when obviously the film came out. And uh, I sent a letter off in hope that maybe Cyril who was the editor, he was a droid with the baseball cap on, he was the editor right. of the fan pa- you know, the, the writing mm-hmm. page on the UK mag, would add my letter in. And he did. So my letter was the first one, written not as myself, 
but it's Jan Lamoni. Jan Lamoni was my my fanfic character, and so mm-hmm. I there's Jan Lamoni. So anybody who doesn't know Jan wouldn't know that the J is pronounced as a Y. So sure. I had loads of letters because I put my address in back in the day when you mm-hmm. put your address in. I had loads of letters come to me, Jan, Janet, Janice, <laughs> yeah. thinking I was a girl fan, which is kind of cool. I was horrified as a cool. you know as a twelve year old kid. I was horrified, <laughs> That's right. kind, kind of offended, but uh, it's a little bit of a mixed letters. bag, <laughs> just a bit. But it was that was so special seeing the name in print. And I think by then I was I was part of the um, I, I was getting Bantha tracks from from the states, which caused Bantha tracks is a play on Bantha tracks. So you know that's where the fandom was really starting to kick in. Then you know being a part of the official fan club was very special. Absolutely, that's such a cool story. And so <laughs> it's neat to me. And it's you know as our friend George likes to say, it's like poetry at rhymes. And here yeah. you are all these years later, and you write for a living, and you write about Star Wars, and so for it to have that earliest, you know, beginnings in Star Wars, but also in Jedi, which is also important for where we are today and what we're going to talk about. Um, I really, really love that so much. So I have one other question for you kind of about your Star Wars journey, and this can be anything. Um, And I think I prepped you for this question a little bit, but if not, it's fun to put people on the spot. Um, (laughs) Because this is a show that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. And because, you know, for all of us, that love Star Wars the way you and I do and all of our friends who watch and listen, it can be a very sacred thing. It can be something Mm -hmm. that, you know, truly I say all the time, I've literally had Star Wars my entire life. Star Wars came out in 77. I was born in 78. There's never been a time I haven't had Star Wars and it has been formational for me in so many different places along my life, along the way. So my question for you and for all of my guests, and I love hearing what they say is what is your, Star Wars spiritual moment or spiritual experience? What is something where it could be a first viewing, it could be a career, whatever it is where it hits you and there was something more there than just, oh, this is Star Wars? Um, You did prime me for this and I really had to give it some thought because I think as as a kid, you don't know any different until something hits you like Star Wars came out of left field for us and it was, you know, in the UK all we had was Doctor Who with wobbly sets and Star Trek mm-hmm. with painted walls. And, you know, and it was such a, a nuclear blast in that sense, in terms of quality and just presentation. It was just light years ahead of anything else. So I thought, well, do I say that? When I thought about it, it's quite it's quite late on. And it's it's it might sound odd. Um, um, both my parents passed away way too young. Mom was 59. Dad was 63. Way too young. Okay. And they were young. Yeah, they were young parents. Sure. And through mom being ill and dad being ill and this is probably going to sound cold but it i hope it doesn't i didn't no, miss a right. day i didn't miss a day posting to the websites i was working on it it was an absolutely cathartic experience to be able to sit down with star wars and not block it out because you can't block it out it's not going to change it's going nowhere but just to lose myself just for a few minutes in just the minutiae of posting an article doing the pictures, adding the links, just trawling through. Because a lot of webs, anyone that does a podcast, anyone that writes a website knows there's a lot of donkey work. It's not all glamorous. There's a lot of just plodding through, just getting it done. And Star Wars was an escape in a very positive sense Mm -hmm. through mom being ill. And then later, a couple of years later, my dad was suddenly taken ill and he went as well. And I'm kind of going through it right now. I've got an aunt who I love very much who's very ill and, I know that that will help get through. Maybe that's not a spiritual thing, but it's such a crutch in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's something I feel. And I'm, I'm already knee deep in Star Wars when mom falls ill in 2008. Sure. So, you know, but it, it I didn't quite realize how helpful it was. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think you're, I would actually take issue with you saying it's not necessarily a spiritual. I think it is a spiritual thing in the sense that that's the bomb that soothed your soul through those tough moments. And we've all been there. We've had moments of difficult life situations, whether it's a loss of a family member, a job I've talked about on this show, my career changed two weeks before the pandemic hit two years ago. And I spent about a year unemployed and sorting out my career and it was right around the time that I pivoted to this new version of Podcast of the Wills. And it was a big part of not only that healing, but also dealing with a national pandemic and dealing with, yeah. you know, we all, you know, honestly, I think this community has grown so much over the course of these last 18 months to two years yeah. because we couldn't go anywhere, but we could do this. Yeah. And we could connect with friends. And I've said, you know, selfishly when it comes to doing shows and getting guests, before pandemic and before really the blow up of zoom when we realized we could do meetings and we could do all these things guests were not necessarily as big of a deal because you had to be near somebody or we had to do it together and all of a sudden the world got a lot smaller and we all realized hey i can talk to a guy in london or england or i can talk to you know christina ariel in california or i can talk to pete in new jersey and we can grow and even If you've ever seen, you know, floating around Twitter, the Force Connect groups that get to Friday nights, we said for a long time, it was the pub that none of us could go to for the last two years. But on Friday night, we could all have a drink, be silly and talk about Star Wars and other things. Yeah. And that so to come back to that same thing, that's a bomb for our souls. And I think at its base, that is absolutely spiritual. That is very much a spiritual moment that allows you to heal, allows you to process and deal. Because even though I don't even read it as you putting off those difficult things you're dealing with, but more of being able to compartmentalize and process with something that helps you focus your attention. So I think that at its core, that's incredibly spiritual. And so I love that answer. And I love your willingness to share that with us. That's outstanding. And we will continue to send positive light and thoughts and force your way for your aunt and the things that are ongoing, because we also know that life is something that is currently changing, shifting and ongoing for all of us. So yeah, um, certainly sending those positive thoughts your way as well. Thank you. Um, So return of the Jedi is where we are digging in. This is the first episode. So we're starting at, for anybody that's watching, anybody that's listening to the uh, podcast version, uh, we start at the beginning. We start at zero minutes, zero seconds, and we go to right at like 2208. And the cut was perfect um, where this segment of our sacred text today ended. So we're going to jump into Return of the Jedi. And I'm just going to kind of, I've got three guiding questions that I usually use when we do these canon studies. And I want to ask them to you, hear your thoughts, and then kind of ping pong off of what you say with the thoughts that I had. So the first question in these 22 minutes, the beginning of Return of the Jedi The first question is, what is our text telling us? What did this text say to you as you rewatch these 22 minutes that I'm sure you've seen like me thousands of times? Um, But looking at it in this light, what did these 22 minutes, what did the text say to you? I would say in within the realms of the story, Mm -hmm. um, the to me, because you can look at it in so many different levels, you can look at it as an action piece. This, you know, it's setting up the, the the big stuff to come. It's definitely setting the tone for the rest of the movie. The, those first twenty two minutes are very important because beyond the scroll up, telling you Luke Skywalker's returned to the Zeth of Tatooine, yada yada yada. 
it, it tells me that the emperor is is getting impatient mm -hmm. because I think if you think if you think the Clone Wars, which was the biggest conflict the galaxy had ever seen, went on for what three years, and the Galactic right. Civil War went on for four, so it feels like the the emperor's impatient. You sense that when Vader turns up on the Death Star, you know Gerard yes. is is you know ready to be quite. He's nervous, but he's ready to be quite mm -hmm. firm, and that crumbles like icing sugar in no time because the Emperor is telling him, you know, the Emperor is displeased with her apparent lack of progress. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's, it's love, things have got to move on. As an adult, and as an adult who works in a corporate culture, there's something about those moments that I watched this time that hit me differently than they have in other times. <laughs> like, I have a wonderful boss, yeah. and that's not to say that my boss is anything like the Emperor. She's not. <laughs> but also just like as a grown up, like watching those scenes and seeing yeah. those moments and like the nervousness, like you said, my Jerjerod uh, is just like, uh, you know, he's making his excuses. He's making his excuses. But then all of a sudden the emperor is coming and everything changes and everything, yes. you know, he snaps a little straighter. He stands up. But the other moment that stood out to me, and this was very, I don't know why I've not noticed this as much before it's a very intentional moment of as Vader's shuttle is heading towards Death Star two, the whole part about the clearance codes yeah. stood out to me more than it ever had, because that's what we get later when they go to indoor and the code and the shuttle and the clearance. And I don't know why that's such a small thing that I never noticed as much before setting that particular little tidbit up. That's a great observation because I've never <laughs> considered that, but yeah, you're right. I, Obviously, the two links, take one mm -hmm. tees up the other, but what if that clearance code hadn't passed? Can you imagine right. being the pilot of that shuttle when the other mm -hmm. guy has to turn to Lord Vader and say, really sorry, Lord Vader, but our clearance <laughs> codes haven't They're passed. They're not going to let us in. They, they'll be bouncing around the cockpit like Kylo Ren does in Last Ex Jedi. I mean, exactly. What? Yeah, I've never thought of that. That's a really good observation, yeah. Yeah, but I love that. I love that what you're seeing and what you're getting out of the text telling us, especially up, up front, is the emperor you know we've yeah. got this big heavy there's this big thing coming our way it's you know we're tied to the train tracks and that train is coming whether we like it or not yeah um there's an impending doom i guess is what you know it really feels like well it, it says a lot really when you think vader is the is the brute he's the heavy he's the mm -hmm. captain phasma if you want to make a comparison in a new hope you know, right. you know he's powerful, you know he's got the history with Obi-Wan, but basically he's the, he's the imposing brute character that's there over Tarkin's shoulder. Tarkin's, the, you know, the talent in that mm -hmm. film, the, the bad guy, the focal bad right. guy. Vader looks the part, but he's not so for in Empire. He certainly is. But, of course, his foundations are shaken by the whole business with Luke. You get to mm -hmm. Jedi, which is only a year later, and clearly a lot's happened, but still... And we're learning that in the comics at the moment, you know, with, with yeah. um, War of Anti-Hunters and such. But, you know, he's still he's still Darth Vader. And he's coming to tell us as an audience and to Gerard as well that mm -hmm. the real bad guy is coming now. The real boss is turning yeah. up. You better you better swab the deck to make sure everything's ship shape because he won't be as forgiving as I am. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so interesting that you say that because, again, this is hitting me as you're mentioning it. Um. Tarkin in New Hope really is like, you know, Vader's there and we're scared mm. of Vader, but Tarkin's kind of the main guy and Vader is seemingly working for Tarkin. He's seemingly, you know, 
which is interesting to me because I have in my Star Wars collection, and I don't know what the equivalent would be. Actually, it would be it would be the Burger King glasses, um, yeah. and they all had the little description on the back. Yeah. Well, we had here there was a regional fast food restaurant called Burger Chef. It wasn't Burger right. King; it was Burger Chef, and they did the same promo posters that had that matched the artwork for those glasses. And I have three of the four. I'm missing one. But on the Vader poster, in the description, it describes Vader as the right hand or working for Grand Moff Tarkin. Like Vader has never. And so then you look at it and what you said is what hit me. That stands out because I think about that poster and I think about the movie and all that. But then in Empire, Vader's never quite fully like he's more of the main guy than he is in either side in Jedi and New Hope. Yeah. Because then we get to Jedi and it's the Emperor. Yeah. And of course we get Vader's redemption out of it. We get so like Vader has never really been Vader has always been fighting to find his place. Vader has always been in a lot of ways a second fiddle, which we don't always stop and think about, but that's a mm-hmm. conflicted character who has to deal with that conflict, especially in this movie. And it's especially interesting, I think. Now we're getting gaps filled between A New Hope and and Revenge of the Sith, obviously, with all the concept we've got coming. And I'm sure there'll be more that will tell us stuff about... I'm I'm expecting Andor to have Vader in it. We know Obi-Wan's going to have Vader in it, but I'm expecting Andor as well. So I think that that dynamic... Because I think think with Obi-Wan, for example... I'm slightly off track, but with Obi-Wan, it's more personal to Ben. But I think with Andor, it's more relevant to the story of how the rebellion gets ready and i think we'll learn a bit more about the dynamics between the emperor and palpatine at that particular point but like you say you get to empire and that is that's vader's moment in the sun as the the prime bad guy of the piece but he still kneels to the emperor you know it's 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 kind of this similar stuff in the sequel trilogy with kylo and snoke but yeah, I, I think by the time you get to Jedi, it, it's and we've always known about the Emperor. You know, we've read about him in the first page of the novel back in '76. So, That's you know, right. we've always known. We've never quite seen him properly. Lady's face, monkey eyes, the whole thing. But <laughs> you know, but uh, to to get to this point now and and to know that the real evil is coming is quite mm-hmm. potent when you think about it. Absolutely. Well, and even the power of the Emperor, which ties into what you said about the this kind of impending doom, this thing that's coming. That's what Vader shows up to tell Jerjerod, like he's coming, yeah. bro. Like time's up. You've done you done messed up now. He's coming yeah. for you. But even and I love how you said that with Empire. Empire is kind of Vader's movie or should be as the bad guy. But even in the midst of having those moments, like he's in the midst of the chase of the Falcon in the asteroid field. But when he gets the message that the Emperor wants to talk to him, the first thing he does is say, We gotta get out of here. We gotta yeah. get out of the asteroid field. We gotta get a clear signal. He's not playing around like he still kneels. As you said, he kneels to the emperor. The emperor always had that power, even when Vader was doing something that he knew he wanted to do, which was very personal. I think in empire, he knew who Luke was. And at that point, that was it was a personal pursuit that over the course of empire becomes the emperor's pursuit, because, of course, the emperor is always playing both sides against the middle to get what he wants. Yes, exactly. And that I think that that just slightly going back to the prequels is you kind of knew the Emperor was going to do that. But when you look at, at Empire and Jedi in that Palpatine's ready to ditch Vader in a heartbeat if he can replace him with Luke. Right. Because Luke could be the Anakin that never was because of what happened at Mustafar. It, it makes you realize how clever the writing is to tilt those two sides with 
Palpatine smack in the middle and he can go whichever way he wants. And he's kind of doing it again on a, on a macro, on a, on a smaller minor scale uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, with Anakin, Luke and, uh, and you know, that situation. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So before we move on to the next question, you've hit on kind of that opening part. We have Vader showing up on Death Star 2 telling him the Emperor's coming, but then the next part of this clip or of our sacred text is also at Jabba's palace. And there's a lot there. Is there anything that the text tells you, tells you versus asks of you? Cause that's our next question that you're getting out of that other part. What else do you see there? Um, there's a few things there. One, never let 3PO in on the secret. I think R2 <laughs> knows, R2 knows everything. Everything is a surprise that's a, to 3PO. That's a great way to put that. Um, <laughs> He's, he's had his memory wiped for a reason. So, so I think it's it's quite genuine. 3PO's reaction is quite mm-hmm. genuine for a sure. droid, you know. Yeah. So, so when everything that happens, go <laughs> uh, gate opening, droid coming out, walking in, seeing the Gamorreans, the Bomar monks, the whole thing is is genuine. Yes. Yeah, he even believes that Luke's message is the wrong message. How can it be the wrong message? R2 knows everything because R2 That's right. knows, as George said, knows everything. Um, the ultimate USB stick. So I think, and also I think there's, there's, Jabba's obviously quite, well, he's very old. So Jabba's seen yes. it all. He's done it all. He's not scared of Jedi because the mind tricks don't work on him like mind tricks don't work on right. Watto and stuff like There's Certain characters yep. that they, they don't work. They're related. I think uh, Tordarians and Huts are related somewhere. Um, and, and so Jabba's got understandable confidence that, hey, it's a Jedi. So what? I mean, have you seen the Clone Wars movie? I've dealt with these people before. It's not <laughs> exactly. a big deal. It's not a big deal to him. To Luke, he's he. It feels very transitional. We just mentioned transitional transitional for Vader. It's definitely sure. transitional for Luke because he never really properly finished his training. I know a lot of people are talking about this online at the moment about the scene from the Mandalorian. There's some really good observations there about some of the things that Luke says. That, that kind of start to nudge you towards where you find him in Last Jedi. This is a period where he's not, he's completed his training enough. In an ideal world, he's nowhere near completed his training, but needs must. So they've got to go with what they've got. They're, Luke's the only hand that they can really play with. They haven't got time to train Leia, even if they wanted to. They know she's there, but it's got to happen now. So they've really got to just show their hand and play it. So it's it's quite a situation for for Luke as well, and coming into Jabba's palace, okay, we know there's a lot of, you know, he's dressed in black, he's cloaked, mm-hmm. you know, right. they're putting the doubt, it's a filmmaker's process, they're putting the doubt in the in the viewer's mind of, hey, is this guy, has he turned to the dark side? Because even though we didn't have an internet between Empire and Jedi, we had Starlog, we had Starburst, we had magazines, people sure. talk, so all the rumours are out there anyway, uh, and goodness knows, there's so many rumours between Empire <laughs> and Jedi, so many rumours, Um it was br- br- again brilliant, brilliant filmmaking. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I love, you know, one of the things you and I talked about before we came online was in previous, in the, um, I still call it Star Wars, but a lot of people would call it New Hope, um, in the Star Wars episodes of Canon Studies, in the Jedi, I mean, the Empire episodes of Canon Studies, we assigned topics to what we were talking about. Yeah. I, you know, each episode. But what I decided to do for Jedi was assign the text, but not assign a theme to it because I want to find out kind of naturally what are the themes that bubble up? What are the things that you see versus what I see? Um, And honestly, and everything you've said so far tracks, and I don't think I'm tainting it by putting my idea out there. So I'm going to ask you first, actually, 
if you were to assign a theme to these 22 minutes that we're looking at from our text, what do you think the theme of these 22 minutes might be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, how would you succinctly put that together? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I've never thought of it in those terms. I mean, there is it is it's scene setting, it's establishing, mm-hmm. but that's a filmic thing, not a not a thematic thing for the storyline. Um, I guess. I mean, theme wise, I, I guess I guess showing your hand a little bit. Maybe that's badly phrased, okay. but. But okay. Luke is Luke is coming in to let Jabba know who he is, and you know, don't mess with me. I'm a Jedi, and whether or not Absolutely. Jabba gets that or doesn't, because Luke's got limited experience with Jabba, he doesn't know that going in. Sure. Vader's coming in to to prepare to a degree, not overtly, because why would Vader care about Jajerod? But you know, he's kind of letting this whole team, quarter of a million people working on the Death Star, you need to mm-hmm. pull your finger out because the Emperor's coming. So it's all <laughs> about preparing people. Luke's it's warnings. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe warnings. Okay. Is the thing. Luke is okay, warning like Jabba. Luke's warning okay. Jabba that you need to, you need to hand hand Solo over to me, or over, you know, ob- obliquely, or, or else. Vader's sure. not so subtle. It's you need to get <laughs> this right. built, or else. Yeah. So I guess warnings would be the theme. I'm working yeah, that out that, as I'm saying it. <laughs> no, that's well. I very much put you on the spot, um, and you know, I think with Vader, and like you said, Vader's not subtle, and to put it very colloquial, colloquially. Vader showed up and said, it's time to piss or get off the pot. Like it's time to move. Um, And I like what Pete says. Jedi has so much happening in the first 20 minutes. And so you're right. It's hard to nail it down into a specific theme. What I pulled out of it was kind of a twofold. And of course they do play together. And part of it plays to exactly what you said. But the theme that I ultimately pulled out of it was fear and uncertainty. Because you've got Jerjerod who's fearful when he finds out the emperor's coming, he's scared. He doesn't know what un- the uncertainty is. He doesn't know what that means. But then when we pivot to Jabba's palace, three PO scared, especially when he finds out, what do you mean? That's the right message. And we're, you yeah. know, are you sure nobody's home? Like everything. Three PO is a fearful character. Anyhow, like that's a part of the being of that character. He's the nervous Nelly. He's, yeah. you know, always. And that's why we love him because he's yeah. on edge. Um, but also, Going forward from there, we have um, Leia shows up as Boosh, Bausch, Boosh, however we say that. Um, she shows up and there's the initial, like, is the uncertainty, you know, is this going to work? Is this going to whatever? But then she's revealed because Han gets revealed. Yeah. And what I love in that moment is Han seems scared to me. And I didn't notice that as much until I watched it this time. He's blind, obviously. Yeah. But when he's like, hold on, Jabba, wait a minute, after she's let him out and, the you know, the thing drops and it's the big sting and, oh, we've still got you, whatever. Like, he was very fearful. And I loved how Harrison played that yeah. in that moment. So there was a fear there. Then we get, um, you know, kind of going forward from there, you know, Leia's attitude when she's, you know, in disguise as a bounty, that's bold but then the jig is up and you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. There was some fearfulness there, although she still remains strong and we see what she does, you know, going forward. Um, But to me, the biggest theme I pull out of these 22 minutes is kind of fear and uncertainty. It plays along throughout all these different parts. And then there's one other thing that I want to hit when we get to the end. Um, So looking at that, 
and that, again, that ties to what you're saying, showing your hand, the uncertainty and the showing your hand, those two things to me kind of go right together. So the second question that we use in our Canon studies is we've asked, what is the text telling of uh, telling us? So the second question is, what is the test text asking of us? What is it asking us to think, believe, etc.? It's asking us to believe that Luke is probably more advanced in his training than he actually is. Absolutely. Um, there's, a, there's a little, again, it's a filmic thing, but Luke wears it, so you've got to take it as, as canon that that's his choice. He's, he's presenting himself visually as a mm -hmm. different guy to the beige, you know, suit in Empire and the... Sure. Yeah, the judo sumo suit in Star Wars. You know, he's he's coming in as the man in black. So so he's giving us a different presentation, which isn't a million miles from Vader, obviously the, the whole black outfit thing. Um, yeah, I, I think... What was the question? Give me the question again. What was the, yeah. what was the question what, again? Right, the first one is, what is the text telling us? The second one is, what is the text asking of asking us? Asking of is, us. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's I think it's asking us to believe in the moment that Luke is more than he actually is. Okay. I think it's also probably asking us to to trust that he's more than he is because mm -hmm. because we kind of know he isn't. And there's there's always been that un, untold tale between. Yes. Sort of Empire and Jedi. And, and how much did he really know? Was there any communing with other characters? Mm -hmm. What did he learn? The that's comics right. are doing a nice job of sort of filling that in. Sure. Um, I, I think maybe that's it. It's that's maybe what it would be. I agree with you completely. And I think it's very much it's asking us. And this is such a broad spiritual kind of thing. But it's asking us to believe in Luke. It's asking yeah. us to believe that, yes, everybody's scared right now, but everything's going to be OK. Yeah. And the thing that I said that, you know, may play in at the end, and I'll bring it up now. I think that is reinforced with Chewie and Han right before we cut the end of this scene because Chewie grabs Han. He starts doing that running his paw, you know, his paw through his yeah. hair and yeah. Han saying, it's all right, pal. It's all right, pal. Han's still scared and you can kind of hear yeah. it in his voice. Yeah. But he has to believe the two of them are together. So it's going to be okay. And I think yeah. that, and of course he knows Leia's there somewhere, but like, I think that's the thing it's telling us or it's asking of us is it's asking us to believe everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think and that's the big bold step. Yeah. And that's important as well, because like in most films, you know, the gang separate, you know, Star mm -hmm. Wars, we had a lot of them together on the Death Star. Luke goes right. and does his heroic thing. The hand turns up first part of Empire they're all together. Then Luke's off to way out to Dagobah <laughs> and they're off to Bespin and not a million miles away from each other, but you know, they're, they're separated sure. until in, in crisis, they're brought back together. So, and I think also it's a great point about Han feeling fear. I mean, I think when you, when, well, I know when I was a kid, everyone wanted to be Han Solo. Correct. He was the cool Same. one. You know, that Han, that guy. Harrison, yeah, totally. You know, Harrison yeah. Ford is just the coolest guy on the planet and always will be. So who wouldn't want to be Harrison Ford or, or Han Solo rather? But, or or Indiana Jones older. for that matter. Both of well, those two my, guys. Exactly. Right together. Indy as a character, yep. you know, John McClane is such an Indiana Jones character because he gets beaten up yes. and keeps and up and keeps going. Yes. And there's great characters that just take the punches and keep going. And Indy's the the, right. the, the archetypal guy who'll just walk through a punch. Yeah. And and, and I always said one. I always said for me, 
My two favorite Star Wars characters have always been R2-D2, which I have a thought that I want to circle back to at the very end about R2. Um, but the other one was Han Solo. And the reason I loved Han Solo is the same reason I loved Indiana Jones, which was they didn't have special powers. They didn't have the force. They didn't have like Indy shooting the sword guy was yeah. like an Indy just trying things and Han just trying things like, my favorite Han Solo line is simple tricks and nonsense. Yeah. That, you know, when he like, that's an everyday guy kind of thing. And I could aspire yeah. to be an everyday guy kind of thing. I will watch a James Bond movie and look at it and go, I could probably do that. I know in my head, I can't really. Yeah. But Indiana Jones and Han Solo were the flawed hero that went it usually works out and when he argues with chewy and force awakens you know most of the time yes it does you know it always works out whatever that you know th that was me because that was a normal dude and yeah. that was the part of the attraction to those characters indy and han in particular were you know they were special because of the swagger and the bravado they weren't yeah. special because they had powers or something otherworldly they just, you know, figured it out. And, you know, most of the time it worked and sometimes it didn't, but yeah. they kept going. He can't see anything. He doesn't know where he is. Who's, who's this weird voice? Oh, it's Leia. Oh, slight relaxation okay. there. And then, like you say, with <laughs> Chewie, another nudge down. Now Luke's telling him he's going to, oh, okay, we step ahead a bit, but Luke's telling him we're going to figure it out. And there's another little relaxation. So I think it is, it, there's a lot of relief within the tension as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a good... It's the balance, and Star Wars always strikes that balance, whether it's dark yeah. and light, whether it's, you know, skilled and non-skilled. That's always a big part of the play in any of this entire saga. And so we yeah. see that same thing here. And like I said, if I were to pull a theme out of this fear and uncertainty, well, similar hit in different ways and are different, you know, veins of the same conversation. Yeah. Um, so the third question is, where does the text send us from here? If we've looked at the themes, we've kind of pulled out what we've got. And of course we know what's coming in the movie because we've seen it a bajillion times, but what is the theme? What is it sending us out into the world saying, this is what I'm telling you. Well, starting with Vader, it's telling us that at this point of time, he's put aside his personal issues and he's mm -hmm. focusing on the big picture, which is whatever the Emperor wants, is the big picture right. in that scenario, in that relationship. So Vader's very much um, on point to what the Emperor's plans are, which, of course, is the Empire's plans. <laughs> so Vader's yes. being the ultimate team player at that point, I would say. He's there on a mission from the Emperor to get this thing done. There's a bigger picture, and maybe I can sort my stuff out separately because, as we know, the story's going to converge to Endor and everything's going to come together in, in a... In a relatively neat bow but sure. we don't we don't know that at this point and maybe the emperor does but vader probably doesn't so there's no guarantees that it's going to get there because at this point we don't quite know who knows what you know in the long in the long play so i think at this point you take away that vader's put aside his own personal agendas and he's focusing on what the emperor wants and what the empire needs mm -hmm. uh for luke yeah i mean we haven't seen him fight the rancor yet we haven't seen him have the battle over the Sarlacc pit yet, uh, otherwise known as Boba Fett's worst day at the office. So, you know, we, you, another person will be talking to you about that. But, but you know, we know that we're heading towards 
some big conflict because like pete said in the chat you know there's a lot going on in that 20 minutes and it is mm -hmm. relatively it's not because there's a lot of menace and there's a lot of yeah. reveals uh yeah i think i think um oh actually i think we just cut from the chewy bit to luke turning up so we're just right. ahead of yes. just ahead of that but but you know um we've got a lot of moments where we're learning new things jedi such mm -hmm. a visual film um but yeah i think i think i think we'd take forward that there's there's re there's reason to fear but there's reason to be confident because the gang's Absolutely. back together hans not at his best we don't really but, know about luke well and I think that's exactly right. And I think what you said, and I said, you know, my two things that I kind of pulled out of it was fear and uncertainty. The fear parts mm. are very straightforward, whether it's Jojerod, whether it's Han being thought out and, and, you know, he's off kilter. Like you said, that yeah, was a great, totally. but it, um, you know, Leia's a little bit uncertain because she got caught in the middle of what she's doing. Of course, 3PO is freaking out because that's what 3PO does. So the fear covers a lot of places, but I think there's the, not as much fear, but the uncertainty with Jabba and maybe even personified more with Bib Fortuna yeah. with the hologram of Luke. Like, you know, he's saying, you know, he says this and you can kind of tell Bib's buying it from the beginning and he's telling it to Jabba and Jabba's going, he's no Jedi. You know, th there's a, a little bit of a back and forth there, but like, there's still an undercurrent for Jabba even of, I mean, he said it and I have to be the boss and be strong and whatever, but he doesn't know. No. And so I think, you know, the fear and uncertainty part is somewhat straightforward. And I think if you're asking, you know, if I'm saying, where is the text sending us from here? It's the comfort of knowing, like you kind of said, there's somebody with you. Yeah. Han and Chewie are back together for the two yeah. of them. That's comfort enough knowing that Leia's in the vicinity, knowing, you know, Luke has sent this message. And of course we get, you know, Han says, Luke, Luke's crazy. He, you know, he's whatever. But yeah. like, even in our moments where we're low, just to hear a familiar name is enough to boost our spirits. Yeah. You know, you talked earlier about those difficult personal moments with your parents, with your aunt, with your whatever, to hear a comforting name or theme or a Star Wars thing, like, even in the midst of all that nonsense or difficult times that boosts your spirits, it lifts yeah. you up. Even if it doesn't fix it, it gives you that next little bit that carries you to the next stop, to the next yeah. place on your journey. And that's where I feel like the text is taking us right now. It's saying, okay, this is where we are and it's not great, but we're moving forward. It's not yeah. a dead end. It's not a final stop. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it's a, Apart from Luke diverting to Dagobah to have his sort of last moments with, with <laughs> sure. Yoda, they pretty much stay together until Luke hands himself in way later on Endor. Yeah. So, so that that unit is fairly mm -hmm. fairly tight for a good sort of third of the yeah. movie through the middle. So, yeah, there's there's definitely something, something that's there. broken gets made whole again for yeah. at least a period of time. Yeah. Um, something you said about that actually pinged in my mind. Of course, we, you know, I had this conversation actually earlier this afternoon about the challenges that Twitter can be, especially when it comes to conversations and dialogue and, yeah. you know, this fandom that we love that sometimes gets derailed by things like Twitter and echo chambers. Um, yeah. But with all the conversations and things we've heard, the complaints we've heard, especially about the sequel to a trilogy. Yeah. 
And I just, this is off topic, but you talked about the separation of the main crew from when we were, where we were in four to where we go in five to where we are here. The complaints about the sequel trilogy was like, nobody's together. But like, that's what Star Wars has always been. Star Wars has always been splitting up and going in a couple of different directions and doing these different things. So it just, I don't know why it hit me when you said that, but it did for all those sequel trilogy complaints. There's a part of me that goes, that's Star Wars. We split up and at some point we end up back together, usually around a big moment. Yeah. These are all capable characters. They're all leaders of a, of a, of a, of a sort. Eventually, right. Luke grows mm-hmm. into it. Leia was born to it. She'd have been a leader if yeah. she'd have been on Tatooine. That was Leia. <laughs> you know, yeah. Han Solo is his own man. So these characters can all go off and do their own thing. You can transpose that to the prequels. You can certainly take it to the sequels, as you say. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is. Yeah, if you look at it in that uh, that framework, it's definitely definitely a part of Star Wars. Yeah. It it was very neat. And so, like I said, that was just a sidetrack that something you said sparked in my head. Um, speaking of something else that you sparked, and then I want to ask you about one other thing, and we start to wrap up our show. Um, I talked about you mentioned R two and the, not having his memory wiped. And I loved how you said R2 is the USB stick of, yeah. you know, he's the memory. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Ender's Game, Orson Scott card? Uh, I've, I've seen the film, but I'm not familiar with the book and I'm assuming okay. the book's quite okay. different to the film. So It is. And I read the book in college and it's one, despite the, and again, this happens everywhere, despite the problematic issues with the author, separating the author from the art. Um, one of the big things in Ender's Game is the concept of speaker for the dead. And so what happens is, you know, and it could be a eulogist, it could be, you know, for us, that's what it would be. But it's this idea of this is the person that when my life is over, your life is over. This is the person who's designated to speak for me to say, this is who I were, who I was. This is what I want you to know, you know, that kind of thing. To me, that's what I love so much about R2D2 is R2D2 is the speaker, not only for the dead, but for this entire legacy and saga and series. And that's why I love so much in rise of Skywalker that he's with Leia at the end, because what we get is R2 with Leia at the beginning and we get R2 with Leia at the end. And he's the one that's been a witness to this entire journey. We get the sequel. I mean, the prequels, we get the original trilogy, we get the sequel trilogy, the things that he did. And that's another reason why I love this character so much is like, he's the keeper of the lore, whatever you want to call it. He's the one that is compiling these stories without bias, without, you know, like he, it just, I don't know why something you said again, the USB stick of it all stood out to me, but I've always loved. In fact, I've got on the shelf behind me, I've got a whole shelf of R2D2 stuff because he's one of my favorites. Just down there. Um, Yeah. 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 But like, that concept of speaker for the dead, keeper of the lore, it's very special to me. And I think when we think about legacy, when we think about whether it's even in our real life personal families, what is the legacy we pass along? What is the thing, you know, that comes from parents? My parent, my dad loved, he loved Star Trek a lot. He loved Star Wars. And I got my love of Star Wars from him. I didn't get as much Star Trek from him, but I have a deep appreciation for it because of him and because of all those things. And so, like I said, when you said that earlier, I made a note to write, you know, to bring that back up. But R2 as the one who carries that flame forward to me is really cool and really powerful. Yeah, I think so the, I, I love The Force Awakens, really do love the film. The, the one, my one gripe, my 
pretty much my only gripe with that film was that R2 was switched off when Luke disappeared because that meant that, that time after Luke goes and then BB-8 kind of retro- right. brings him back and, and, and he wakes up, is there is a chunk of time that R2 didn't record. And that sure. that that rankled a little bit because it, as mm-hmm. you just so nicely said, and I agree, he's, he's the recording stick that's captured everything. And right. I think that was something that Lucas had said more than once, you know, that it's almost as if, you know, when Star Wars started, they went with the scroll, but originally it was a Wookiee mother sitting down to read a book to a yes. Wookiee child, a bit like you Correct. know, Princess Bride type thing. I think mm-hmm. it's it's George had said that I kind of imagine that this whole tale is told by you know R two D two two thousand years down the timeline is recanting yep. this tale of oh well I remember when sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it's all R two telling you what what happened in this the Star Wars saga. But there is that quite a few years that he never captured because he was asleep yeah. you know on on the was it Takar the resistance yeah. space mm-hmm. so you know or wherever he might have been so that 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 was a shame but nevertheless I think yeah I think uh, yeah well and it even he knows where the again, bodies are buried so. <laughs> that's right he definitely <laughs> knows where the bodies are buried and also and, and again and for even all the you know the cool personality moments the murder bot soak him in oil light him on fire you know the things yeah. that he did yeah. he was a badass in his own right But more than that, I do love that he was a witness to this entire, you know, the Skywalker saga, the, you know, all of that. And I love what you said about those gaps. Um, Yeah, it's very neat. And again, that's something that always stands out, especially as I age and as I think about legacy and as a father and raising children and, you know, those kinds of things. It's really powerful to hear those moments and those thoughts. So. This is an amazing canon study. I love that that ties into everything we're talking about because we're very lucky that we're talking about Return of the Jedi. I didn't ask you up top, kind of because I forgot, but we're going to do it at the end. Um, <laughs> we have gotten the first episode of Book of Boba Fett, and I would love to hear Mark's, you know, give give me your quick thoughts about Boba Fett. What are you liking? What are you seeing? What, what do we got? I was impressed. I wasn't blown away and i didn't Same. want to be if that makes any sense right. i didn't want to no. be. It, it would have been really yeah it would have been really easy to come in strong with great action and big bang and blah 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 and reveals and yada yada that would that's too easy i think they've set the tone they've they've answered a big question which is how we got out of the silox great mm-hmm. so you know you've you've got that moment other little nuggets that are sort of scattered in. They've, they've laid out a breadcrumb trail of questions about the relationship with Fennec. Lots of other little things that are just set up now to show us the way forward. We just talked about it on Making Tracks. It's out on Tuesday. And, and one of the things that I asked my co-host Mark was, you know, which is the A story in this episode? Is it the past or is it the present? And we really couldn't decide because they really are running at a, at a nice sort of parallel. I was really impressed with it. Um, the music didn't blow me away. The visuals did. I, yes. I loved it. I loved the design. Um, so many things about it worked. But I'm like I say, I'm kind of glad they didn't go crazy all in and just try and blow our minds. It just feels like a nice, steady progression to wherever mm-hmm. they want to take us. Hopefully, they'll take us to season two, but who knows? Yeah, I love what JD said. Loving the vibes on Book of Boba Fett. I think they're setting it up for some good stuff. And I'm like you, 
I watched it. Um, I actually stayed up to watch it, which was 2 a.m. here. Um, I Ouch. won't be doing that every week. I was feeling <laughs> yeah. it the next day. Um, <laughs> but it felt like it was important. And it was that moment where like I got to like 1.15 and I was like, mm, now I'm starting to feel tired, but it's only 40. Like I have to see this through. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I didn't doze a little bit watching that first 2 a.m. viewing. But I'd also did get up and watch it with my 13 year old, yeah. my daughter Harper, who's loves Star Wars. And so we watched it the next morning and I got it again. I've seen it a couple of times since then. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that set me up and this was kind of a it was an interesting move. The Hollywood Reporter article that came out right before where Robert Rodriguez was saying, like they said in print, we're going to blow people's minds. These people are smart enough that they don't normally say that. Like you don't you know, put it out there. You don't call your shot. You, you know, but they did. And so of course I'm going to be honest, I bit into the hype a little bit and I thought, so when the first episode ended, I went, okay. Like I wasn't blown away. Kind of exactly what you said. I didn't certainly didn't dislike it, but what tells me that it's working was even though I wasn't blown away, I was immediately ready for it to be Wednesday again. Like I'm ready to see the next one. And so I think that's exactly what, good storytelling does. I love that they said the majority of the trailers were the first half of the first episode. Yeah. I don't want you to, I don't want you to give it away early. I want to show up. I need, I say this all the time. I need just enough in a trailer to remind me that it's still coming and then let me get there and find out what's happening and what's going on. I think Marvel and Disney and Lucasfilm have been very savvy in that if you look back pretty much a year now to WandaVision, those first mm-hmm. half hour black and white, co- you know, uh, yes. comedy episodes where people online were just pulling the hair out. Like, what is this yep. rubbish? And yet you get to the end of WandaVision and people are saying, why isn't this been in all the Emmys? It's an absolute stone cold classic. Forgetting that for the first two or three weeks, they were like, this is nonsense until yeah. you reached a tipping point when everything changed. Uh, I think maybe this show could be something like that. Uh, yep. so, some of the Marvel shows are a bit more linear, like Hawkeye, for example, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Other shows it, it ask more of you, like One Division. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking maybe FET will be one of those shows because we're telling that story in two timelines as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's a lot to soak up. And they've got a lot of things that they need to sort of square off with fans who've been around it a long time because we have. Sure. Ex- some reasonable, some completely unreasonable expectations, but nevertheless, things that we think we know about FET because we've been reading about sure. it for 40 years. So they've yeah. got to square off a lot of stuff, but also push the story forward. So it's it's a big ask, but I'm I'm confident they can do it. No doubt. Well, Mark, I think you said a mouthful when you said Star Wars fans with unreasonable expectations. <laughs> so I, I think we, we, we both realized that that's the way it works. Um, I love what Michael said. Give me a slow burn with a huge payoff at the end of the season. And I agree with that completely. I love the idea of give me just enough to be excited about next week and let's keep going. Let's go from, I don't need, I'm actually, and I've said this, you know, I love the week to week model because if you gave me all eight episodes at once, I'll watch all eight episodes at once. Same, but I like the idea of being able to sit with it for a week, ponder it, think about it, talk to you about it, talk to Pete yeah. about it, talk to Michael about it, talk to whoever I'm going to talk to, bounce it off each other, and be ready for the next one. Because honestly, the more voices that I get involved in the way I consume these things, the better I'm going to approach it. Because if it's just yeah. me in my head, because I've pounded all eight episodes in five hours. 
it's not yeah. going to be as good. I need. And it's not a communal experience. It's not a communal Correct. experience. Then yeah. that's right, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a communal experience. It's supposed to be something that we share together, even if we're thousands of miles apart, like you and I are. We get yeah. to talk about what you saw, what I saw, those kinds of things. I think my biggest takeaway was before um and pete and i did a preview show beforehand just kind of looking at other people's theories what do you expect all that and my biggest thing was i love the idea of it being called the book of boba fett and i love that in the mandalorian each episode was a chapter it was chapter yes. one chapter two yeah. and so what i saw this being was a way to okay the first chapter is him escaping from the sarlacc the second chapter maybe like it doesn't have to be a linear story i like the sure. idea of it jumping around I don't know if that's completely what it's going to be, but what I like, and in this first episode was the whole series could be balanced between flashbacks and present time. Yeah. And it could be a continual, we go here, we go here, we go, and we work our way through it. Um, and I like that kind of storytelling. I think we got that first, most prominently in the first season of lost way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would love for them to play with that a little bit more and find the balance in all of it. So I'm excited for it. I wasn't blown away on the first episode, but I also definitely didn't not enjoy it. So I'm ready for more. That's really the, that's what's most important. I'm going to watch it again. It yes, I am. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. Um, so as we wrap this up, Mark, tell us where people can find you. Tell us what you've got going on. Give us all the plugs, give us all the things because we want people to continue to connect with you. Uh, if you want to speak to me, and why would you? But if you do, <laughs> then right below, prefect underscore timing on Twitter. That's where I am. So I'm always generally on there causing mischief and mayhem. Uh, everywhere else, it's at Fanthatracks. So that's Fanthatracks for all the socials. Uh, Fanthatracks.com for the website. Uh, within Fantha, you'll see at the top of the page, we've got our links to our YouTube channels and our uh, podcasts. We've got, uh, what, we've got three podcasts on the go, one more coming fairly soon uh the weekly show is making tracks which is myself and mark mulcaster mox the xo of the rebel legion in the uk or the co rather uh so he's uh, he's a big wig i have to bow to him every time we podcast together <laughs> uh and uh, yeah there's generally stuff coming on inside uh, occasionally stuff on starwars.com i also wrote for starburst magazine here in the uk which i'm quite proud of been there with them for about four years now so that's uh, that's good fun but yeah there's generally some nonsense knocking around but uh, prefect underscore timing is where you can find me so that's uh, that's where i'm hanging out to chat generally Absolutely. Well, as I said in your intro, and I will say it again, you are a bright light in our fandom, in our community. We love hearing your voice. We love seeing the positivity that comes from you, because certainly on this podcast and in so many others that I'm friends with and partner with, positivity is what it's about. We are the spark of positivity. We're going to be the ones to burn down the negativity in this fandom because Star Wars is fun. And if we're not having fun, we should leave. Like if we're not enjoying it, why are we here? You know, why do we hang out in things that make us angry? Um, thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. I have gotten a ton out of it and it was a great way to kick off the next six weeks of everything that we're talking about return of the Jedi. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. My first podcast of 22. So thank you for that. Hey, and that's a big honor for us that we get to be first and send you off into everywhere else. Hopefully we set the bar just high enough. You did that. Everybody, everybody else after this will. You'll have to think about which one was the most fun. 
I will. I will. I keep. I always keep score. So you know, you're doing well. That's right. It's good. We we did good. We kept score. Um, thank you to everybody that hung out today and watched with us. If you are watching um, later on the YouTube feed, thank you for being here. If you're listening on the podcast feed, thanks for always being a part of Podcast of the Wheels. I'm going to hit one more quick thing about our pi- our ooh, excuse me partnership with ATG Cast with Around the Galaxy, Disturbances in the Forest, and streaming Star Wars, which will start this Friday. Um, thanks for being a part of that. Be watching over the next couple of weeks. We'll make this hopefully smooth trans- transition to where you find us in your audio feeds, where you find us if you are not a part of the Patreon yet and want to join that. It's patreon.com slash ATGcast. You'll be able to get these live videos on Sundays or whenever we record. It may not always be Sunday, but when we have great guests, we want to connect you up with them. We want you to have a chance to be a part of that conversation as well. So thanks for hanging out today. Thanks for being a part of this. And we will see you again next Sunday for part two of Canon Studies, Return of the Jedi. And in the meantime, may the force be with you always. Thank you.